The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Would you remain standing, please? Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis chapter 50. Remain standing, turn turn your Bibles. Genesis chapter 50. You're part of this family and you find yourself being relocated or you're sending off one of your kids, we would love to bless them just like that. You just need to let us know. It's easy. We're family around here and we believe in the blessing of God. We believe in prayer. Genesis chapter 50, sort of a sad rejoicing day. It is the final message. Is there an echo or is it my imagination? All right, help me out. It's the final message in a series of 17 messages on the life of Joseph. And uh, it is the final verses of Genesis chapter 50. I'm going to read to you from the New King James Version, starting in verse 22. If you're there, say, woo! All right, here we go. So Joseph dwelt in Egypt. He and his father's household... And Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. They were also brought up on Joseph's knees, which is a picture of adoption. Verse 24, and Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you. And bring you out of this land to the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died being 110 years old and they embalmed him. And he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the tremendous stirring, the touch, the healing, times of prayer and worship that's taken place this morning, now this afternoon. I pray and ask that in, the, in this closing moments of these next 20 or so minutes, that you would speak to us with great clarity. You would speak to us And write upon the fleshly tablets of our heart. I pray, release all that's in your heart to your bride, to us, your people. You'd help us to concentrate as the living word of God is preached. Anoint these lips of clay once again, I pray, to burn faith in the hearts of your people. We'd leave this place being fully persuaded and encouraged. Strengthened with might in our inner being. By your spirit, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Oftentimes, the last words of a person give insight into their situation and how they viewed life. I can tell you stories and testimonies for the rest of the afternoon here of words I heard of people right before they died. Things I've heard people say. 
I've been at bedsides many, many times. I've seen many, many miracles. And I've seen unexplainable tragedies for which all we can say is that God is good. And we don't really understand why one person survives and another person doesn't. I've settled it long ago in my heart. I would encourage you to do the same. God is good. Don't let anything ever erode that revelation. He's on the throne. He loves you. You don't understand why one person is taken and the other one is left. We don't understand things. Why one woman who prayed and served and gave her whole life and touched hundreds and hundreds of people dies of cancer and another person who lived a life of a hardcore pagan survives. We don't understand all of that, but we know that God is good. So settle it. God is God is good. Some famous last words that are uh, important to me that is rung out in my life from the time I first heard them. Nathan Hale. How many of you know who that is? Nathan Hale was really a, a, a tremendous leader at a young age in the American Revolution. When he died, caught by the British, they were going to execute him. And they said, what are your last words? And his famous last words are, I regret that I have but one life to give for my country. Wow. What commitment in his 20s. Unfortunately, we have many 20-year-olds that are stuck on couches today. But I believe that God is raising up a Nathan Hale type generation that will say yes to the Lord and, and reject the things of time and tradition and the defilement of the age. Nathan Hale, I think he's 22 years old. If my memory serves me well. Joe DiMaggio, his, his final quote was, I'll finally get to see Marilyn. I'm not sure where that was. <laughs> I'm not sure where Marilyn went or where Joe DiMaggio went. We know for certain what the Bible says. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Yeah, so we're not sure where they went. And, and you know, you never are sure. I, I've seen people when they're, when they're passing shake their fists and curse God. I hate you! They'd be like, that's a pretty bad way to die. He'd say, well, they for sure split hell wide open. I, I don't know, it seems. But you never really know in the closing moments of someone's life, you interview people that have come back in, from death. And they weren't headed to heaven, but in their closing moments of their consciousness, they called on Jesus in the last five seconds. And they, you just don't know the comfort of heaven. Beethoven, how many of you like uh, symphonic music? How many of you like classical music? I, I love classical music. I thank my mama for that. I grew up in a house that was constantly playing classical music and listening to the, you know, the, the, the radio with classical music on. And I listen to lots of other kind of music too, but I have a deep appreciation for Beethoven and for Mozart. Beethoven, he was deaf by the time he died. Are you aware of that? Beethoven, the great composer Beethoven. I believe Beethoven was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write some of the music that he wrote. I mean, he had this amazing gift. When he died, he was deaf. And he said, this is, this is great. He said, I finally get to hear heaven. Wow. Finally get to hear heaven. Hugh Latimer, does anybody know who Hugh Latimer is? Hugh Latimer uh, was a, a real pioneer in the Reformation. I think it's just before the Reformation in the 1600s. I, I need to look, but, but Hugh Latimer, go check it out. He was burned at the stake in England for his stance on the, on the scriptures and for declaring God's word as God's word and, and declaring salvation by Jesus alone. 
And he was killed at the, at the burning of the stake along with a, another man. And here's his quote. Listen to this. And, then, and, and one writer said, Latimer's words were like a blast of a trumpet which rings even to this day. Be of good comfort, Master Ridley. Master Ridley was one of his, one of his associates. And play the man. We shall this day, by God's grace, light such a candle in England as I trust shall never be put out. You see, the writers of, of books of martyrs, Fox's Book of Martyrs, I think everybody should have Fox's Book of Martyrs. Raise your hand if you heard of Fox's Books of Martyrs. Okay, so look around, just leave your hand high and look around. Okay, you know why that's not, you know why that's not a popular book? And most people don't know about it. It's because they just have not been taught. Nobody's told them. So I'm telling you right now, go out and buy Fox's Book of Martyrs. Next time you're having a difficult time, just read a half a page. Just read half a page. You will see that you're really not going through that much of a difficult time. Although it's a first country type struggle. You don't understand. In other words, you misplaced your iPhone charger. That, that's that's a that's a, a first, you know, first country type. You know, oh man, come on! I've got to get out of my lazy boy to get some new batteries for my my remote control. When most of the world is groveling around for food, so we have our little our little wealthy country struggles that we have. When you read Fox's Book of Martyrs, you get to see what God did through those who would not back off, those who would not quit. It is said that the, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. What that means is that when those, those of ISIS, and these are some true stories, those of ISIS decapitate the heads of children, it is reported that they're seeing heaven open just before that and all kinds of testimonies and how that's affecting those who are watching and and parents who are giving their lives for the gospel because when you see somebody that gives everything their whole life they give their life then you have to think to yourself there must be something about this Jesus thing and that's why it's called the seed of the blood of the martyrs the seed of the church let you in on a little funny story I was struggling I wouldn't call it suffering, but it felt like I was suffering. How many of you know when you're struggling, sometimes it feels like you're suffering? So I called uh, Dr. Morocco. This is years ago. And I called him. I said, oh, Pastor, this and that. No, I can't do it. He said, Pastor Daniel. Pastor Daniel. I said, yeah. He said, now, um, you're not sweating drops of blood or anything right now, are you? You're not, you know, you haven't resisted to the point of shedding blood. I'm like, No. He says, okay, nobody's burning you at the stake, is it, right? I go, no. He goes, you're going to be all right. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, Pastor. But he was right. He was true. I'm still here. I didn't have to resist the pointing of shedding of blood. And I didn't burn at the stake. I got to share this. I should have said the first service, and then we'll get into this, this text. There are, if you read Fox's Book of Martyrs, there's one story, and I can't remember the name of the early church father, but he's tied to a stake, and he's, he's going to burn at the stake, and he makes a deal with his disciples. And the deal is this. As I'm burning at the stake, if I can feel God's presence, I'll raise one finger. 
And then you'll know that God's comforting me. And, and if, there's, if, there's, if, if he takes away the pain, and as I'm, as I'm burning at the stake, I'll, I'll put a finger in the air. So he's, and this is true. And so the disciples are weeping that those that were his, that he was mentoring are in the crowd. And they light him on fire. And he's burning. And he, he raises one finger. And everybody's like, yes, he's being comforted by the Holy Spirit. Then he's like this. glory way more than one finger come on I'm going to tell you something you live for God like that even though Stephen had stones bouncing off of his skull as the first martyr he said I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the father these are the last words of our hero that we've been studying Joseph who's a tremendous Christ type figure and here we read of Joseph's last words and we see by them his life basically in a nutshell. And we do have notes for you. They're available on the, on the app and also they've been passed out. If you didn't get those notes and you'd like them, make your ushers aware of that and they'll bring that to you. He became the great, great grandfather and he adopted his great grandson from Manasseh, his own son. And that, that picture is him putting his sons on his knee. And you'll see this, the patriarchs. In fact, Jacob did it. Jacob did it with Joseph's sons. He adopted them. And, and so you see Joseph doing that. It's what it meant when he placed him on his knee. And Joseph's final or last words are recorded. And he, and he prophesies, which I believe he received not only from the Lord, but from his father Jacob, who received it from his father Isaac, who received it from his father Abraham. He prophesied that God will come and take you out of Egypt. He prophesies the deliverer. But it's more than just Moses. God's going to raise up a deliverer. His name is Moses. We don't know that his name is Moses here, but we see in this in the next book, which is the book of Exodus, that Moses is a deliverer. But it's not only that God is going to bring you out of Egypt is a word for them. It's a word for us in the New Testament that God is going to send his deliverer and bring us out of Egypt, bring us out of the world, bring us out of sin, bring us out of slavery, bring us out of bondage. His name is Jesus. Can you say amen? God, I felt Pentecostal there for a second. And he'll take you into the land he promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That land in the context is the promised land. In the prophetic application, it's heaven for you and me. He made his family, which is Israel. Now, you all understand that. Let me just break it down. Jacob wrestled with the Lord at the fjord of Jabuk, got touched in his hip, got a name change. Jacob was deceiver. He got his name changed to Israel, which means prince with God. He has 12 sons, basically, without getting to all the details. You can listen to other messages. And those have sons have sons. And that is the nation of Israel. And if I can simply say it, the 12 tribes of Israel who used to be Jacob. Do you understand? So the nation of Israel comes from Jacob, who got a name change. And there's 12 tribes. So he makes his family... The 12 tribes, really, oh, they were smaller at that time, but still quite a vast number of people. He makes them take an oath, fill in your notes, makes them take an oath 
that they would carry his bones with them and bury them in the promised land, bury them in Canaan's land. That is the final verses of Genesis. And I believe that through this text that God's speaking to us. Now all of these messages are available on YouTube, on Facebook, on the podcast, on the web stream, and uh, everywhere else they're available. You can go and listen. We don't do CDs. We don't do tapes. We just do MP3s. You can download it right onto your phone. You can plug your phone into your car or Bluetooth it into your car, and you can listen and resource yourself while you drive to Anchorage, while you drive to go fishing, while you drive to go camping, while you're on your on a little job. I'll listen to a message 10 minutes between um, running errands. I'll listen to a 10-minute message 10 minutes, and I'll catch another 10 minutes, and then before you know it, I'm done. I'd encourage you to resource yourself. Can you say amen? Amen. So God's speaking to us. What's the message of our life? What is the message of your life? If you were to die, God forbid you to die today, well, hopefully you're saved and your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and you go straight to glory. Out of the absence of the body is to be present with the Lord. So if you died, God forbid, but man has given but one life to live. And by the end of the service this morning, this afternoon, I should say, going to give you an opportunity to get your life right with God. If you're not right with God, it's the most important decision you'll ever make. But if you're right with God and you die, what happens? And where would you go? You'd go to heaven. But what would be your last words? What would you say if this is you got you got a few more breaths? What would you say? How do you see your life? Let me say this. What is the most important thing to you is what you do. The way you live your life shows what's really important to you. You can't separate your actions from what you believe. If you believe the word of God's important, you read it, you study it, you memorize it. If you believe prayer is important, you pray. Come on, if you believe that your marriage is important, you spend time with your spouse. If you love your kids, kids spell love, T-I-M-E. So if you don't spell, if you don't spend time with your children, they will communicate. No matter how many times you say, I love you, I love you, I love you. No, how much, how much you say that, it will be communicated to them that you don't love them because you don't spend any time with them. I've heard, thank God for the messages I've heard. Because I'm so busy and I'm going to go play ball. And I told my son I'd play ball. And he'd be like, Dad, you said you'd play baseball. I'm like, right, let's let's play baseball. And then I've certainly failed many of time. Your life, what is the message of your life? What makes you tick? What's the most important thing to you? What's your life about? So how do you come up with that, Pastor? Because in the closing moments of this great Joseph, the deliverer, Joseph, who embraced the wealth of Egypt to save his family, who went through all kinds of difficulties, closing words are the prophetic word and the promise of returning to the promised land. His eyes were set on the inheritance that God said he could have. The inheritance that he was told by his father, by his grandfather, by his great, great grandfather. He said, this is where we're going. Don't take, take my bones when you go. The first recorded words of Joseph are his telling of these two dreams in Genesis 37. And he shares them out of turn. His brothers hate him. Very dysfunctional family. Maybe you come from a dysfunctional family. I've got a news for you. Every family's dysfunctional. In some measure or another, he's been like, I didn't come from a dysfunctional family. Yeah, you did. 
Come on, there's no perfect family, right? And so here he comes from a family where the father loved him more than the other sons. Don't ever do that. Don't tell you you're, don't tell your kids you're my favorite. Don't, don't, don't pit your kids against each other. You love them equally. And, and they're all unique and they're all different. But no, 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 Joseph, Joseph got the technicolor coat. Joseph got the bonus. You know, Joseph got, they went out and oh, Joseph, Joseph from the favorite wife and on and on and on and on. And it created a tremendous strife in the family that Jacob never dealt with. And the brothers with a deep father wound basically sold Joseph off into slavery, put him in a pit, sold him into slavery, went into Potiphar's house. Oh. And he had these dreams. And what's amazing to me is how God elevated him. As I reflected on this in my camper over the yesterday, at this little camper, it's like my little tabernacle with the Lord. It's a fascinating way that God elevated Joseph. It really is fascinating because you wouldn't think that God will elevate somebody unless, you're, unless you study and read the word and, you know, You've been around a little while. You realize that God can take that there's a silver lining in every cloud. You realize that the the current difficulty, the current circumstances you find yourself in can be very much like a springboard to catapult you, propel you into your future if you'll respond rightly. But if you don't see your difficulty, you don't see your problem like that, you see it as some sort of sick punishment that somebody did to you, then you'll never see a springboard. You'll never be propelled into what God has for you. And all you can sit there is cry and and mourn and weep and and wail and what a hopeless sad place that is you don't have to stay there Joseph didn't do that he didn't do that he he was elevated by God and there's three different ways that he was elevated number one the first way that that he was able to overcome all of those things was God was with him say God was with him right in the notes God is with him God is with him. I shared a story that illustrates it pretty well. I was on Kauai many years ago pastoring there. Pastor Vince was there with me and eventually on my staff. And uh, God was doing great things there. The island of Kauai. Anybody know where that is? The wettest? Do you think this is wet? Kauai gets real rain. 760 inches of rain a year. That's a lot of rain. In, in the Mount Waiali, Ali Valley right there. And so they had a new, they had Starbucks show up. And when we prayed Starbucks in, I'm sure. 